0: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions. And this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily. Occasionally, I will invite effective leaders from different disciplines to be on the podcast because I believe that they can add great value to our lives. As educators and leaders, it is best practice to be intentional about having people speak into our blind spots. As lifelong learners, it is simply walking the talk. Today, we have the honor of having such a leader, Brian Paul Buckley, to speak to us about a vital part of what affects our performance. Brian is a high-performance coach, writer, and speaker who challenges, motivates, and inspires others to leverage their everyday major activities into an energy edge so they can maximize their time and increase their results. Brian has an eclectic educational background, from business and psychology to religion and music, and has the school loans to prove it. He has worked in ministry in small and large churches, at nonprofits and at corporations, and is a serial entrepreneur. On November 7, 2016, Brian will be hosting the Successful Entrepreneur online conference, at which he and other successful leaders will explore stories and strategies of the climb and cost of success. For more information on this, go to brianpaulbuckley.com. That's B-R-Y-A-N-P-A-U-L-B-U-C-K-L-E-Y.com. Brian lives with his wife and five children in the suburbs of Chicago. Welcome, Brian Paul Buckley. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you, Lily.
0: Great. So we are so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners?
1: Bring it on, Lily.
0: (laughs) I love it. Okay. So Brian, I'm excited because you work with professionals who are high-level performers and the field of education is filled with high-level professionals. They are hardworking, nonstop, energizer bunny kind of people. So you help us to be thoughtful about how to find, conserve, and use energy efficiently, right? And I'm not talking about environmental energy. I'm talking about personal energy. So tell us how you do that and what led you there.
1: It's a great question, Lillian. First of all, honored to be part of your interview here today. So thank you so much for allowing me to be part of this I've always gone 100 miles an hour, and there's two consistencies in my life. It's been that, and it's been entrepreneurial. I've loved to be an entrepreneur, whether it was in high school, cutting yards, or working in a church or in the corporate world, being an entrepreneur, but energy has always been a big thing, and it's one of those things where I've always thought that I've always had an unlimited amount of it, <laughs> and I found that is not the case. In fact, here's a fact. Most people think they need more time when actually they need more energy. If you're exhausted, but you have all the time in the world, how much do you get done? Little to nothing. Mm -hmm. And I could be exhausted and push myself to the middle of the afternoon and it takes me twice as long. Things are half as good. And guess what? I get to be frustrated the entire time and chances are I have to do some of that over as a parting gift. And I've just learned through the years that energy is just absolutely vital, especially in leadership, if we're going to be at our best all the time. But it hasn't always been that way for me.
0: So, I mean, you're speaking my language. When you talk about the unlimited supply of energy, I get that because I think I came crashing in my 40s when I thought that I can run, run, run and do, 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 and that I needed more time and not energy. You're hitting it right on the mark. So tell us about what got you to a place where you came to realize that.
1: Well, Sometimes I would like to be smarter, if you know what I mean, (laughs) Lily. Yes. But uh, some of us just have to learn things the hard way. And for me, in my 30s going 100 miles an hour, going in the corporate world, um, 40s, same thing, on a plane all the time, traveling, 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 and seeming like I'm always on. You know what I'm saying? You you just have to be on. And it was just so draining on me physically. And I didn't really take care of myself to the level that I needed to. So I turned 40 and all of a sudden I realized I was getting some really odd symptoms Mm -hmm. that I just couldn't explain. So Mm -hmm. my wife said, hey, for your 40th birthday, I'm going to send you to the doctor. What a loving gift. And, you know, I went and he says, I got good news and bad news. You know, the good news is you're in phenomenal shape. It looks like you're going to live till you're 80. You know, that's awesome. The bad news is we have no idea what's going on with these oddball symptoms that you're mentioning. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. So I got my note from the doctor to go back to school. And just, you know what, to be honest with you, in my heart of hearts, I knew there was something wrong, but I use it as a license to just keep going.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Got a note from the doctor, I'm good to go, and I'm just going to continue to go as hard as I wanted. So fast forward five years later, and all of a sudden, I was not recovering. And I was going where I would travel all week, and then I would crash on the weekends. And I don't mean like, you know, oh, I'm just tired. I mean like literally almost comatose i would get flush my heart rate would get off inability to focus inability to absorb content and i started to look where like there was just something wrong most of the time you know with being on you know you try to hide that type of thing but every once in a while somebody would catch me off guard and they would see that side and they were like brian are you sick i mean like Mm -hmm. really really Mm -hmm. sick Mm -hmm. and it was scary to my wife it was scary to my kids and one of those situations where it really led me down to a spot of going, you know what? The Energizer Bunny has officially lost its energy. Oh, so you it know about now, the
0: Energizer Bunny.
1: That's <laughs> exactly it. i
0: been yeah. called that. Yeah.
1: And now I found out that the Energizer Bunny's energy is sold separately. Mm. And I met a friend of mine in Southern California, and we had been known each other for 25 plus years. And we were there just visiting, and she confronted me. And she just said, you know, Brian, you cannot continue down this path. And I know what you have. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she told me her story. So, remember how I was sick and I went through all these different things and I said, yeah. And she says, actually, I had blown up my adrenal glands and it's called adrenal fatigue syndrome. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is that? She started listing her symptoms and mm-hmm. I was like 19 for 20. And I'm like, my goodness, that is me. And she says, yeah. But the difference is you are the sole provider for your family. Mm-hmm. And unless you change things right now, you were on a crash course to burn out like she did. Mm -hmm. And through that, I went through some exhaustive amount of testing Mm -hmm. and went through to this at a deep level to the point where I finally started getting my energy back. I learned how to rest for the first time in my life.
0: This is great because we need to learn to rest. So I'm so excited to listen to this.
1: Well, because it's a four letter word to most of us, especially (laughs) those of us who are hard drivers. We're hard performers. And you never hear of a high performer bragging on rest. You know what? I had the best eight and a half hours of sleep of my life last night. No, it's what? Burning the candle at both ends. It's going where, you know what? I'll sleep when I die. You know, it's that mindset that I have to be busy. I have to keep going. We never look at the fact of, okay, what is literally the results of us going without rest? So I went through this process of really getting literally my life back of learning how to rest, learning how to put proper foods back in my body, learning how to take care of myself again. Mm -hmm. And in the course of that, I learned I was living out of what I call the exhaustion cycle. It means that I was always busy. Can't stop now. It's got to keep going. Then you get into this beatdown stage, which is I can't keep going. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the burnout phase, which is I can't take this. Wow. And when you get to that spot, that's when we live for the weekends, you know, it's thank God it's Friday. Oh God, it's Monday. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for hump day, whatever that is. And we just go through this vicious cycle and all of a sudden busy starts to get a little bit smaller and we start to feel that beat down a little bit longer and next thing you know we get to that burnout stage and all of us especially as leaders or for an education or whatever arena that we're in it is never healthy when you get to that burnout stage because at that point not only do things not get done the right way we don't really care anymore we're just literally done Mm -hmm. and i learned i was living my life out of the exhaustion cycles literally to the point of burning out my body i've always been in decent shape But not to the spot where I was looking at my body going, you know what, this is actually giving me the energy that I need to do the passions that I have to help and serve other people. And when all of a sudden you take that away, guess what? I don't have the ability to do that anymore. And this is preventative. And I had to learn that the very hard way.
0: Well, you know, your story speaks to me because I remember when my body burnt out. I got up one time and I could barely move and I could barely speak. I went to this holistic hospital to find out what was wrong and they diagnosed me with adrenal fatigue. I had run my body to the ground, little sleep, just working, 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 thinking that I have to produce and perform. I've slowed down a lot. I still need to recover. And so this is why I'm connecting with you. And I'm excited because I feel like I'm going to learn so much from you. But I also look around and I see educational leaders. I see teachers doing the same thing. And Brian, I've spoken to them hey, slow down, right? But did you hear when people told you to slow down? No, right? You kept going. and so Yeah, I just
1: assumed they didn't know what they were talking about and they just didn't know how busy I was right. and how much I had to do. But there is a level of arrogance in that, you know, that the world can't stop without us. And, you know, I really think, Lily, what I learned, I can't speak this for everybody else, but for me personally, the secret shame of a high performer, this driven person is, we don't know how to rest. Yeah, and I think that's where I created what's called the energy cycle and it starts with replacing the exhaustion cycle of busy I can't stop now beat down. I can't take this and burn out I can't keep going and saying, so, you know, there's another way of doing this and what if all of a sudden I realize, You know what just because there's a brand new day doesn't mean I have the energy to make the most of the day ahead mm-hmm. And we assume that the Sun's up So then therefore I have the necessary energy to do what I need to accomplish today and that's simply not true and I realized that you know, it's not sustainable to continually live out of the exhaustion cycle. And for me, I learned to perfect, to at least live my life with the boundaries of the energy cycle, which is this, mm-hmm. rest, stop for now, refuel, put back in, and re-engage, get back out. And I break down rest into three different ways. Rest, it's sleep. I was a horrible sleeper, Lily. Brain always going. You know, it's 1130 at night. You know, I've got the TV on. I've got my laptop open, my phone right there, stadium lights that are going. My brain is about as active as can be. And my bedroom is that. It's a theater. It's a library. <laughs> it's an office. And then no wonder I lay down and I can't sleep. And my brain starts going. I've got all these things that are going. Just you know, Stadium lights were just off, just on a moment ago. I didn't prepare my body all of a sudden to transition into rest, into sleep. Mm-hmm. I just all of a sudden decided it was going to be a switch, which didn't work. So I would roll around for a few hours. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I mean, i think, well, I'm wide awake. Might as well go work for a little while. Oh, my gosh. And then I would go, you know, I'd rest a couple more hours. And then I'd get up and start going. And that was my life. And, you know, the rest really was, it was pathetic. And I realized, you know, we fight Rest instead of invite rest into our lives. Mm. And rest is natural. And it's one of those things that, you know what, you are going to have to rest when all of a sudden you get the flu or your body shuts down. The body says, Done, you can do it your way. We're going to do it my way right now. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you are forced to rest. And when you rest, you get over whatever you have if it's an illness. Same way with our energy. And for me, I realized the secret thing of high performance, like I said, is not knowing how to rest. We minimize it. You know, we act yes. like it's not that big a deal.
0: Because everything else is so important. And it is. But when we take care of ourselves, then we're taking care of that more efficiently.
1: You're exactly right.
0: And so that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast, because I've been there. Your story's my story. And I know it resonates with a lot of the ed leaders and the teachers. And so we also are role models to the kids. And if we're so busted, how encouraging is that? And also teachers look to administrators and if they're looking at them saying, oh, heck no, I'm not going to do that. Look at how she's working. Look at how he's working. He looks burnt out already. And so that happens often. And oftentimes they go into administration and come back out because knowing how to handle that is key. I also have come across amazing leaders who have this on straight. Not many, but what you bring to the table, which is so important, is teaching us how to rest.
1: You're exactly right, Lily, and to your point. If we are going to be a model to somebody else, if we even value that, then we need to see how are we running our lives. And even if it goes a step back you have to look at it and go, okay, am I really productive producing the results that I want at the speed that I am going? And in my life, it was an analogy of a high-performing car. I was a high-performing car. that You know what? It looked good on the outside. You know, it was washed. It was clean. It was even vacuumed. But I put in cheap gas. I did little to no maintenance on this high-performance car. When it needed to repair, I wanted it cheap and I wanted it quick. And when you run a car like that for 100 miles an hour all the time, guess what's going to happen? Something's going to break down. Oftentimes, it's going to be an engine. Or in my case, you know, I'm taking a curve marked 30, and I feel bad for slowing down to 70, and then I hit a wall. Imagine that. And I think that's where when we look at it going, okay, wait, the quality of the work that I was actually putting out – if I were to sit down and to be honest, remember the secret shame of high performers, not being able to rest right. if I were to really look at that, I realized, you know what, this isn't really the quality that I wanted. Mm-hmm. But if I stop, I might be replaced. Others may catch up. Would I still be needed? And then for me, when I really, really pulled back the covers and looked at it was what I like, What I found out if I slowed down, what I really like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that uneasiness. Like I'm not Who everybody expects me to be but all these were things that were in my own head Mm -hmm. and I realized that I was a good doer I was a horrible beer and a lot of times especially as leaders We just need to be we need to be present with people. We need to be able to be Rested enough refueled enough so that we can re-engage with people so they feel like you know what they matter to us That is so huge and if we are not fully rested our mind is going another place We're not fully present, and especially in education, that makes such a difference.
0: Yes, absolutely. Now, Brian, as a leader in your field, how would you describe your leadership style?
1: I am a motivator and a challenger. Tell me and the reason is i'm excited about what i'm excited about and I want people to be challenged I want people to think about are they being the best that they can be? I don't mind the argument once in a while, but that's not the person long term. I want to be around lily Mm -hmm. I want to be around the person who says, you know what? I need to be motivated And if i'm challenged i'm going to be inspired You know, listening to somebody else saying, man, you know what? I I need to be eating better. I need to be working out or I need to be doing these different things. That challenges me. And as a result of that, that inspires me. And if I'm in a spot where I'm being defensive and like, well, you don't know my world and all that, you know, I'm probably not their person (laughs) Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person where as a leader, I want to rally people around, but I want to bring out the best in them. And sometimes that means saying the tough things. Sometimes that means saying, hey, you need to take a break. And I define a break meaning that I move the body mm-hmm. and I rest the mind. So whether it's I'm standing up, I go for a walk, I, I don't go from on the computer sitting down to grabbing my phone and getting on social media and sitting down. Things that are allowing my body to move, to give me that activity that I need, right. and then also to rest that mind for a few minutes. You know, when I'm traveling and somebody who's, oh, I can't eat healthy on the road. Really? I thought you chose the restaurant. I thought you chose whether you're going to go to the bar at 5.30 or 7.30 or whether you chose you're going to work out at 5.30 or you're going to go to the bar at at 5.30. You know, those type of things and learning to go, you know what, there is a better way. And instead of saying more you, 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 I'm learning through the years, especially me in my late 40s, I'm better off by going, you know what, here's the areas where I've screwed up in, this is where I've failed in, and this is where I've improved. I lived out of the exhaustion cycle and this is where it got me. And right now my life is so much better when I live out of the energy cycle, rest, refuel, re-engage. So I think I'm learning as I get older and watching other people, what type of leadership am I attracted to? And really thinking through, how can I influence people the most? And sometimes people just need to hear a fresh story. They need to hear somebody who believes in them, who wants to encourage them, who wants to challenge them because they see something better in them which that means that they care about me.
0: Does that make sense? Yes, of course. Now, Brian, do you coach leaders?
1: Yes. My career has been in the church world, and I'm also working in leadership in different areas in the corporate world. So I thoroughly enjoy that arena, You know, taking this message and really challenging them to get out of the exhaustion cycle and to live an energy-edge life, leveraging these everyday major activities, things we do every single day, sleep, nutrition, fitness, breaks, downtime, personal development. Let's leverage the things we're already doing to give us the energy that we need to be the leaders that we need to be.
0: Just give me a glimpse as to how I can improve my sleep cycle. Like at the stadium in my room, I have my library. And although I have a bed and a pillow, right? It's not an area that really is conducive to sleep. It's conducive to work. So what should I do to get better sleep?
1: You know, the first thing is we have to value it. It has Um, to really matter to us. You know, anything we want to change in our life, whether it's going to be nutrition-wise or fitness-wise or rest-wise, we have to go, okay, I see the benefit of this and I'm willing to make some changes to make it better. Because otherwise what's going to happen is we're just going to make excuses. And when we make excuses, we get a little out of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it starts with going, okay, how much time do I actually need of rest? So I have this theory. It's called your sleep number and it's not what you think it is. Your sleep number is going to be what is your ideal maximum sleep, IMS. And for me, that's meaning if I were to rest and I'm really to have great quality sleep for this window of time, what would that amount of time be? There's a study that Erickson did most of us know of, and it's the study that shows of 10,000 hours it took for professionals to practice to be that level of mastery. In that same study, though, they found that the average person who was that expert Also rested eight hours and 36 minutes. Nobody ever talks about that. They talk about the mastery and how good we are. But those are the individuals that go, you know what? No, no, no. In order for me to perform at a peak level. Now, this isn't just athletes. These are also musicians and a number of artists, different verticals, if you will. Mm -hmm. But they needed to rest. And they rest eight hours and 36 minutes on average. That would be their ideal maximum sleep. Finding what that number is. Then you got your bare minimum sleep. This is the amount of time where you are barely functional, meaning that if I do this two nights in a row, I'm a walking zombie, but I cannot have less than this amount of sleep. For me, that's six hours. My ideal maximum sleep is eight and a half hours. If I have that, I wake up and I'm about as alert as I possibly can be. I'm ready to go the moment I wake up and I'm engaged in the day ahead. I have the energy that's necessary for the day ahead. So that's number one. Is figuring out what amount of sleep. So I, once I value it and realize that this is important to me, I need to schedule it. So if I want to get up at this time, simple math, then I need to back off X amount of time to realize, okay, well, I need to be in bed by 10 o'clock, for example. I'm like, that's crazy. How in the world? No, no, just try it. If somebody were to go, if they're not going to bed at 11 o'clock, then back it off 15 minutes each night, right. Right. or back it off a half an hour. Once you start backing that time up, you realize, wow, I'm waking up over a period of time feeling more rested. But here's one thing, too, is that they have what's called sleep debt. They have been exhausted for so long, they don't even realize it. It's like anything where it just takes time for that to rebound. And sometimes that one or two nights is like, well, this isn't working. No, Mm. you're in sleep debt. Mm. I mean, you need this rest. It's like going on vacation. When you get that rest that you need and all of a sudden you come back and you're ready to conquer the world, that's what happened. Right. But then that five seven days whatever period of time somebody took for a vacation Their body put back in and took that sleep debt that was missing mm-hmm. and they were recharged and ready to go So once I figure that time out then what I call is it kind of your power down your evening routine It's figuring out what are the things that I need to do where for me, you know, I'm not gonna watch the TV I'm not gonna have a device. That's a half an hour. That's engaging my mind before I go to bed a minimum of a half an hour And that time for me is to read. The lights are low. Maybe there's some candles that are on. There's some soft music. And my wife and I, we just kind of just slow down. We're not getting into like massive engaging conversation. But it's one of those where I'm segwaying my evening into rest.
0: Mm -hmm. And there's a
1: number of other things that I could talk about. Caffeine effects. You know, if we're having caffeine for dinner, we're going to be up. It's Mm going to affect our body. You know, having that nightcap, you know, it's like, well, I'm falling asleep quicker. Well, yes, but your quality of sleep with alcohol in your system dramatically affects your system. And this has become such a big topic in talking to high performers actually created a, a pdf a free giveaway it's called sleeping your way to the top mm. 10 secrets to getting better sleep they can get it for free you can go to my website brian b-r-y-a-n paul p-a-u-l buckley b-u-c-k-l-e-y.com and they can download that free resource what's cool about it It gives a number of these 10 different ideas but also gives you some practical tips on how to actually implement some of those but just starting with that if i value it and i schedule it and then i evaluate it i look at it and i go you know what what could i change okay this was really good i really liked this last night you know what, I didn't do this and I need to change that and just tweak it. And just those little things, it's amazing to see the difference within their body and also in their mind because they've started to value sleep. And sleep is just one part of rest. I mean, there's also breaks moving the body. In the middle of the morning, in the middle of the afternoon, Lily, I take 15 minutes. And that 15 minutes yields me at least four times worth. So I'll take a break and let's say that it's about, usually it's about 10 o'clock and I'll take 15 minutes and I will get up from my desk and I work from a standing desk. But I'll get it from my desk and I'll go for a walk and just to get some fresh air and just clear the mind. But I'm moving the body and I'm resting the mind. And I come back and all of a sudden from 10, 15 to noon or whatever that next block that I have, it's so much more productive. Mm-hmm. Usually I have a banana or some almonds or something just to give me a little bit of burst of energy. And then, boom, I get into lunch and I do an afternoon 15-minute break. It's amazing what my middle to my late afternoon, the quality that I can produce out of that because I stopped, moved the body, and I rested the mind.
0: It's like you have to retrain your mind and really be intentional. I would need a coach like you because I'm not used to that. And so I know that a bunch of us will need it. So your website, brianpaulbuckley.com. As a leader, what quotes about leadership speak to you and why?
1: You know, I'm a quote junkie. And (laughs) the one that I like the most right now in my life, it's four words, make the healthiest choice. Perfect. And I realize when I make the healthiest choice, my decision in leadership and in life, things dramatically change. Because most of the time I ask, what's the easiest choice? Or what's the quickest choice, the largest choice? And I'm good size guy, sometimes I'll look for a portion size, or sometimes I'll look for the tastiest choice. But when I change my mind and I start to learn to reprogram, to your point earlier, it's mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just a matter of reprogramming our mind and valuing it. When I live from that quote, make the healthiest choice, it's amazing how my life changes. And if I'm out to eat, Or when I started living by those four words, it was on my fridge, opened up the fridge and I would see the four letters. We moved it to MTHC, make Mm -hmm. the healthiest choice, Mm -hmm. the difference that it made. And all of a sudden I became much healthier and more alert. And it's amazing how much more I was willing to want to help other people because I felt better about myself. And oftentimes we don't.
0: Right. Right. And as leaders, we have that responsibility for other people. And so if we have that responsibility, then we need to look at how to be in the best possible shape so that we can handle that responsibility in the most effective way. So I'm with you. I think that if you value leadership, if you value influencing others, then that's absolutely what we need to do. So thank you for what you're doing.
1: Well, and I think what you're saying there is spot on because... It is self-leadership, and I think oftentimes as leaders, that is the one area that we fail at. I know I did for a long period of time, and I justified it because I was serving other people, but I'm of no good to anybody else if I'm right. not healthy, if right. I'm not rested, if I'm grouchy, if I'm short, if I'm curt, it ends up becoming disrespectful, and if anything, it sends miss signals to people. And I want to be in a spot where I feel at my best, and oftentimes that is being healthy. There's a friend of mine who wrote a book called The 5 a.m. Miracle, an author named Jeff Sanders. And Jeff, with his subquote of that is, dominate your day before breakfast. What that is is basically saying this is my self-leadership time. This is a time where I invest into me. Now, whether that is physically and I'm going for a walk or working out or what have you, or whether it is mentally. Where I'm reading a book or spiritually, Mm -hmm. you know, taking that time with God, or that's the time for prayer or meditation. You know, it's those times where if I can pour into myself first, I am much more proactive as opposed to reactive going into the rest of my day. And whether that is a family, my family, the first people that I see, or I'm going into an office, Mm -hmm. or I'm speaking somewhere, or I'm giving a training, or I'm coaching, if I've done the self care, self leadership, my ability to actually lead is at a higher level. Lily, if I'm rested and I'm more honest with myself, I'm more willing to share my failures. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to go, you know what? This is the way I I was running at this pace and it just was not working. As opposed to you need to change, you need to do this, you. And it's more of a defensive reactive mode as opposed to no, 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 we're in this together. I may just be a step or two ahead of you, but this is where I'm at in my life right now and I see it in you and I mean, I just see so much potential. I'd love to work with you to get you to where you need to be, which gives somebody the hope you (laughs) need
0: And, you know, to all our listeners who are at that point in life where you just keep going and going and don't see a way out. If you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for the people you lead, please. So can you tell us about the best advice you've ever received?
1: The best advice I'd ever received was learn to take care of myself first. And as you could tell by my story, Mm -hmm. it has taken me a very long time to actually take that more than just hollow words. And I have a lot of regret in that area. You know, I look at the price that I paid physically for my body and for the amount of people that it affected. It's a steep price. And I still have, as you very well know, with adrenal fatigue syndrome, if I am not careful, I could hit that tipping point very, very quickly and very, very easily easily and end up back in that crash. And next thing you know, I'm running this week out of the exhaustion cycle as opposed to the energy cycle. And it's very, very easy to do, but that's the price that I paid. But I do have choices every single day of whether I'm gonna take care of myself first or not. And now, especially hitting the wall the way that I did and putting my life back together physically and emotionally and mentally and all that came out of going through such a traumatic thing in my life, it's made me a better person. And as a result of that, you know, I feel like I wanna give that advice to somebody else but if i do it's also saying hey don't do what i did
0: and you know what brian i see that you're pouring your life into this and you have the energy you're walking the talk you experience adrenal fatigue So did I, I am nowhere near where you are, but I want to be there. And so I see the need for coaching. So I will absolutely look into that because I need it. And I have such a responsibility in front of me. And so if I don't do it for me, I'm going to do it for everybody else. My son, my husband, the people around me. So yes, thank you so much for that. I know that you work with teams. Can you tell us what it means to have a good team and how do you build one?
1: That's a whole studying of itself. In fact, I've got a friend of mine who, his name is Dennis McEntee, and he actually writes on drama-free teams. And what I love about his message, and I completely agree on it, is if we can learn to get along relationally and to put others before ourselves, what a difference and how much less to use his vernacular drama there is, how much of a difference that it makes. And, you know, some of us are wired where we're more just solopreneurs, if you will. We may be in an existing organization and we're doing things where we're, we're better a single sport person, just because that's just the way that we're wired. And we really need to think through that. But specifically, how does that affect other people? And can I be a team player and how do I serve other people and how do I look at the gift mix of other individuals? So just because we're a solo artist, if you will, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I have all the gifts and abilities It's going to make to make the group or the team excel and I've seen that so many times of just individuals that it just becomes more about them I mean you look at that in sports and the guy that's the best athlete, but he's a horrible team member mm-hmm. And the team doesn't excel And what seems to be the strongest link actually becomes the weakest link because of the dissension and the drama that's created within that team when we make it more about ourselves than looking at the team. And it's actually ironically, it's the exact opposite of energy where we need to learn to take care of ourselves first and pour into ourselves and then we can pour to other people. And oftentimes in the team, it's a matter of saying, okay, how am I crumbling across to other people? How am I serving other people? How are what they're doing and what I'm doing? How are they meshing together, making what we're trying to accomplish all the better?
0: Wonderful. Tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the life of those around you.
1: I love that question. Lily. In fact, I'm in the middle of developing what's called the successful entrepreneur online conference. It's stories and strategies of the climb and cost of success. And it's actually going to launch in the beginning of November. And one of the questions that I've asked of over 30 different, very successful entrepreneurs is how do you define success and how has it changed through the years if it has at all? Now, do you
0: have to be an entrepreneur to be, so I can be an ed leader and it can add value to my life?
1: Lily, most ed leaders are entrepreneurs. I mean, think about it. Tell me. Because you're developing what I call an entrepreneur. So an entrepreneur is you're within an existing organization, but you have basically the freedoms to do and create what you want to do within your kingdom, if you will. You handle what you're going to do. You're doing your classes. You're doing your teaching. Whatever you're doing, you are in control of that world and there's a lot of damages to that a lot of times Individuals are their aspiring entrepreneurs where they have a desire, you know I really want to do this other thing. I've got this passion beyond what I'm doing right now It may only be a hobby just to serve other people and sometimes though it turns out to be a side hustle like a part-time job And eventually it ends up turning them into a pivot if you will in your life where you move out of this world Into this other world and you become an entrepreneur you become your own boss Mm -hmm. This online conference is designed for anybody who sees value in the content It's absolutely free with an email address and there'll be three different presentations that will go out each day, three different videos and you'll have 48 hours to watch each of the videos and they're on the topics of planning and productivity, health and energy management and rest and relaxation. And so each day there will be a speaker on one of those three tracks. There's an opening keynote and there's also a closing keynote and it's just so much incredible information that our individuals are giving. And what I've learned through that as far as success wise is that the term success is just so personal, so subjective to so many different individuals. And it's really forced me to say in my own life, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I think before I think it was more about me. I think success was, you know, my family name was a big deal to a lot of people and it held a lot of clout. And then once I got out of high school and went to college, I had to make my name on my own. Mm-hmm. I think it created a good drive, but also created this drive where it's about me. And it was very selfish, very taking for a long period of my life, you know, I think now it's about others. It's more about giving. It's more about being selfless.
0: And Brian, because of your choice to take yourself on, we now reap the benefits. So thank you for that. Let's move on to our next question. Many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now?
1: Oh, that's a great question, Lily. In fact, it's so important to me that as part of the energy cycle, remember there's rest, refuel, and re-engage. Part of refuel is there's nutrition, there's fitness, and there's personal development. And I really believe that any person who is going to perform at a high level, especially those of us who are leaders, it's got to be intentional. And I really challenge people to develop what I call a PDP, which is a personal development plan. And a PDP is looking and saying, okay, what do I read and what do I listen to? But it's also thinking through, okay, what are the conferences that I want to attend this year? It's the courses. A lot of times there's online courses that I'll take that I absolutely love that are sharpening me individually. And then is there a coach or two out there that I feel like can take me to the next level? Or where do I need in my life that I'm going to set aside the funds, but also the time that it's going to take to help me to grow in that area? But I love to read. So for me, I consume probably two or three books a month, and one podcast I listen to religiously, absolutely love it. It's called Read to Lead Podcast by a guy named Jeff Brown. What I love about the podcast is he basically interviews top-name authors every single week, and it gives a summary of his book, and he digs in and goes through that. And so oftentimes, I'm able to consume a lot of content that I would not have normally have read, but he extracts exactly some really, really good content. And oftentimes, I'll go after some of those books, and I'm like, man, i Absolutely, got to read that book.
0: Oh, that's a great
1: podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's very well known podcast. But taking that time, and for me, that's in the morning. So for me, I read best. Kids are still in bed, and so I'll start reading. Usually, read my Bible first. Read something inspirational next, Mm -hmm. and then I'll either go out for a walk or run, depending on how the baby's doing. Or I'll work out, and then I'll come in and get something to eat. And then I'll plan my day. That's my normal rhythm in the morning. And I read a book twice a day. So I, there's something I read in the morning and then there's something I read in the evening. So after my wife, we usually watch one show together. We don't watch a lot of TV. Big sports fans go Cubs. But mm-hmm. besides that, you know, that time of winding down. So that's something that I want to read something right now. I'm reading the book called Sabbath by Wayne Muller, M-U-L-L-E-R. And it's talking on the necessity for rest and how in life, in and of itself, has natural cycles of rest and looking at the rhythm of taking Sabbath. And Sabbath could be as simple as 10 minutes of a meditation, or it could be 24-hour period, mm-hmm. or it could be just taking a break from a certain item. And I'm getting so much incredible uh, information from that book.
0: Okay. We've come to our last question. Brian, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership?
1: That's a great question. And for me, my leadership is as effective as my energy. And it's not about time and it's not about me, but it's learning to take care of the areas of my life that only I can take care of, then that matters more than so many other things. And if I learn to take care of this high-performance car that God has given me, and care more that it's just washed and vacuumed, but really did the maintenance on the car, put in the quality fuel into the car, did the repairs that were necessary, realizing that that was a vehicle that was gonna take me to where I needed to go as a leader far, far longer, and that I would learn to be able to be sooner than just do. And I think I was so caught up in my accomplishments and known for that, even expected of that. And I think there's just been a lot of growth that has had to happen in my life as a result of that. And when I started to learn to rest and to refuel and re-engage and get back out, that this healthier form of me was able to lead myself better, lead my family uh, lead all the individuals that I have, you know, the opportunity to, to serve, and it's made a big difference. And uh, I wish I would have done that, you know, decades ago.
0: That's great advice, Brian. I want to thank you so much for adding value not just to me, but to our listeners. Well, it's been an honor, Lily,
1: and uh, I hope those who have listened feel compelled to look at their own lives and say, you know what, what if I were to get an energy edge in my life? Stephen Pressfield uses this term called turning pro. And a lot of times pros do pro behaviors, but a lot of times what we're doing is we're doing amateur behaviors and respecting pro results.
0: But we don't see it. We need somebody to help us see it too. Oftentimes, oftentimes.
1: And if we can, once it's brought to our attention, then it's a matter of our choice. Right. Are we going to do what it takes to perform or to be at the level that we want to be and hopefully in an area to be able to serve the way we want to serve by being pro in those areas. And if I have in my heart what I want to accomplish, then therefore I need to rest, do the breaks, do the downtime, sleep, you know, nutrition wise, make the healthiest choice, fitness wise, move and get in shape and then refuel the mind. If I do those pro behaviors, it's amazing the results that we can accomplish by putting those things in.
0: Brian, thank you so much. You're wonderful. Well, it's been
1: an honor, Lily. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Hello, leaders. Don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time. Bye.